2015, a year of resurrected dreams. What has been given up as dead and gone, God will resurrect. What has been given up as lost will be regained. What seems to have been destroyed will be rebuilt. What seems to have been ruined will be restored. 2015 is such a season. God imparts dreams into our hearts. These are God-given. Do not let go of these. How these dreams unfold and express themselves in our lives could be very different from what we imagined or expected. What is important is seeing the dream fulfilled, not the manner in which it happens. Be blessed as you listen to the word of the Lord for 2015. All right. So what we do towards the end of each year is just pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying for us as a church? For the coming year, is there a sp- what is the specific word you want to give to us? And uh, uh, we try to listen to the Lord and then uh, put that into a message and release that message every New Year's Eve service uh, for us as a church. And we try to keep ourselves reminded about it through the course of the year. And uh, like I always say, uh, this is not the only thing that God is speaking to us. Right? So don't say, oh, this is the only thing. No, uh, this is one of the many things. That God will be speaking to you. In fact, the Lord speaks to us through his word. And, and we must pay attention and honor God's word, the Bible. Read it. Meditate in it. And that's God speaking to us continually all the time. So the word of the Lord is really something that God is saying, I want you to pay attention to. I want you to focus on. I want you to believe that for this year in this season. Uh, and that's what we bring uh, as a message uh, uh, for the church uh, as the word of the Lord. So the word of the Lord for 2015, for this year, this season that we enter into, uh, is that 2015 will be a year of resurrected dreams. It be a year of resurrected dreams. Meaning that things that God had birthed in our hearts a long time back, and which we have given up on, God is willing to resurrect Our God is ready to resurrect. He's ready to bring back to life and cause uh, to come to pass. So what happens? Sometimes we go through seasons where it seems the Lord is just not interested in intervening in our lives. Uh, It seems that the Lord comes a little too late to help us. Or it seems that things have gone beyond any hope. But such seasons do come to an end. When, when God seasons, where God seems so silent, when he doesn't seem like he's doing anything, such seasons come to an end. And what I believe for 2015 is that what has been given up as dead and gone, God will resurrect. What has been given up as lost will be regained. What seems to have been destroyed will be rebuilt. And what seems to have been ruined will be restored. That we as a church, as a people are entering into this season. We are in this season. But God's saying, this is what I will do in your life, both for us corporately as a body and for each one of us individually, we can receive this and say, God, I'm expecting you to do this for me. Amen. In Romans chapter 4, verses 17 to 21, the core verse uh, passage for this, um, this word Uh, We read about Abraham, a a man whom God called uh, to a particular, with a particular dream and saying, this is what I'll do in your life. 
God called Abraham when he was about 75 years old. And God said, Abraham, through you and your wife, Sarah, I'm going to bring out a great nation. And I'm going to bless the nations of this world through you. Abraham and Sarah, unfortunately, had no children up until that time. And yet God calls them and says, I'm going to make you the father of a big nation. And that's a challenging thing. I mean, God, you're calling me to be the father of a big nation, and I don't even have one child. And not only do I don't have one child, you've come a little too late, God. If you'd showed up when I was 25, there might have been hope. God, I'm 75. And Sarah has been barren all her life long. See, God steps into our lives like that. Which doesn't kind of fit into our equations. Our thinking doesn't fit. But God steps into our world, our personal lives and says, look, this is what I want to do to you. How did Abraham respond? How did Abraham react to all of this? Romans 4, 17-21 kind of sums it up and it says here, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. So this is how Abraham responded to the promise of God. There are two things about God that we want to notice or look at in this passage. The first thing this passage tells us is that God gives life to the dead. So this is our God. He gives life to what is dead. Now in Abraham and Sarah's case, there were two things that were dead. One was their own physical bodies. They were past the age of childbearing and Sarah was, her womb was barren, dead. But also their dreams and hopes were dead. I'm sure that by the time God came and spoke to Abraham, Abraham and Sarah would have been happy that they, okay, it's fine. We don't have children. Everything is fine. You know, we'll make it through life. And, you know, they've settled for whatever they have and they have they would have most likely even given up any thought, any idea, any dream about having children. That's dead. It's gone. But in a situation like this, God shows up and he says, I am the God who gives life to what is. So I don't know what is dead in your life. What is that dream that you carried inside you that is dead? It could be whatever situation that is hopeless, whether it's your, you know, something that has to do with your own life, your, your call, your ministry, your destiny, uh, what you wish to become in life, what was in your heart. Uh, it could be maybe something concerning your family, your finances, your children, whatever it is. It, maybe it's dead, it's hopeless, it's gone. But in situations like this, Almighty God shows up. And He's the God who gives life to what is. Amen. That's our God. 
And so this year, God is saying, it's a year of resurrected dreams. I want to revive, I want to resurrect those dead dreams. Things that you've given up in your life, I want to resurrect. Now, we use the story of Lazarus, um, Mary, Martha, and the brother Lazarus. So the two sisters and the brother, they were very close friends with Jesus. Now, Jesus was ministering in another town when Lazarus in Bethany fell ill and he was very sick. This is in the 11th chapter of John. And so Mary and Martha, the sisters, sent a message to Jesus. And I don't know how they did it, but they sent a message through a messenger. And saying, you know, Lazarus, the, your friend whom you really love, you care about, he's sick, he's about to die. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus remained where he was. He didn't react, he didn't respond. He just stayed there. And a couple of days went by and Lazarus actually dies. And Jesus knows Lazarus is now dead. Now Jesus tells his disciples, let's go to Bethany. It's another two days journey to get there. So by the time Jesus and his team arrive in Bethany, it's already been four days since Lazarus died. They've already embalmed his body, put him in a tomb, sealed the tomb. They've done everything they do, they normally would have done. And everybody reacts with one thought. Lord, if you had been here, Lazarus would not have died. Mary, Martha, all the other people who came from Jerusalem, who came to you know, comfort them, be with them. All of them said the same thing. Lord, if you had been here two years ago. If you had been here five years ago, if you had come when I was in the real, when I really needed you, God, you're coming up now. It's too late. Funeral's over. My dream is dead and gone. I'm not even thinking about it. Don't trouble me with it anymore. If you, you've just come a little too late. But Jesus shows up and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Nothing is too late when he comes. So you know what happened? He brought Lazarus back to life. That's our God. The God who gives life to the dead. So if you've been through a season in life and it, it seems the Lord is not, just not interested in intervening, you've been praying, you've been doing things, nothing happens. If you've been through a season where it seems the Lord just is not listening to you or he's maybe just showed up too late or seems like things have gone beyond hope. But such seasons do come to an end and God steps in. What's been given up as dead and gone, God will resurrect. What's been given up as lost will be regained. What seems to have been destroyed will be rebuilt. What seems to have been ruined will be restored. The second thing we see about God in Romans 4 is that God calls things that do not exist as though they God calls things um, that do not exist as though they did. Meaning when God comes and looks at your situation and mine, He doesn't determine what He is going to do by our situation. He doesn't determine what He's going to do by our present situation. He doesn't do that. He's the God who calls things that don't exist as though they were, as though they are. What we can't see, 
He sees. He brings it into being. First Corinthians chapter 1. Verses uh, 26 to 31 is another passage we refer to. It says, For you see a calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame things which are mighty. And the base things of the world, things which are despised, God has chosen. And things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God. And righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it, as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. The, the passage of scripture is telling us, you know, this is how God works. He takes things that are wise, uh, things that are foolish, and he confounds things that are wise. He takes things that are weak and he shakes things that are mighty. He takes things that are nothing and he brings to nothing things that are. I mean, God works like this so that whatever comes is comes from him and he gets all the glory. Amen? In other words, God is not deciding what he's going to do through you and me based on who we are, where we are, and what we are. doesn't limit himself to that. Amen? So as you begin to take a hold of those dreams that, have, that you and I would have given up as dead, don't limit God. Saying, God, I don't think you can make that dream come true because look at where I am. Look at who I am. Look at what I have. Doesn't make sense. Can't come to pass. Don't limit God by those things. He's bigger than all of that. God imparts dreams into our hearts. And these are God-given. These are God-given. Now, one thing we did say is this. That how the dreams unfold in our lives could sometimes be different from how we expected them to unfold. For example, you know, think about Abraham. And God came to Abraham and Sarah. And you know, Abraham was 75. And uh, God said, Abraham, you're going to have Isaac. You're going to have a son. Abraham must have thought nine months. By the time I'm 76, I'll have my son. You know, that's just normal thinking. But it didn't take nine months. It took a little longer. It took about 25 years. So the way God went about unfolding that dream, unfolding that promise in his life was quite different from the way Abraham must have envisioned that. But the point is, God is not only interested in giving us the fulfillment of that dream, but in the process, he wants us to become something that he wants us to become. If God had uh, given Abraham Isaac at the end of nine months, true, the promise would have been fulfilled. But perhaps Abraham may not have been known or come to be known as the father of faith. He may not have become the friend of God. That we know of him and that he is in the Bible. But through that journey of the 25 years. Not only did Abraham receive the fulfillment of the promise. But he became something. He became the father of faith. So God could say. If you want to know about faith. That's the guy you go to. 
Look at Abraham. He will teach him what it is to walk in. He's a father of faith. That's the man. Follow his example. In fact, Romans 4 says, We are all to walk in the same steps of the faith of Abraham. Follow his life. Follow his example. So God is not only interested in fulfilling the dream. He's interested in making us as a people. As a person. He wants to build you. wants to build me. So the process in which he takes us through may be a little different. Relax. Go with the way God wants it to be done. Amen? Now sometimes we may get it right in the sense we may understand God correctly and we uh, uh, readily move with the way he wants it done. But sometimes we may misunderstand. We may not understand correctly how God wants to unfold it so just yield it to his way of getting you to the fulfillment of that dream. So, we must journey by faith into our future of resurrected dreams as Abraham did. It's going to take faith. It's going to take a journey that you and I must make. Don't give up on that dream, but journey with God to seeing that dream fulfilled. Hebrews eleven twelve is a powerful verse. It says, therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitudes, innumerable as a sand which is by the seashore. Think about this. Through one man and him as good as dead. People have written him off. People said, leave him aside. He doesn't count. He doesn't amount to anything. From one man, him as good as? God did something amazing. He brought for the nation. And I pray it will be said of you and me. From that person, from that man, from that woman, whom, you know, everybody else wrote them off or her off and said, nothing can happen, nothing significant can come out of their lives. It's too late. Man, it's all gone. They, they've lost the dew of their youth. They lost all that. And nothing significant can come out of their life now. But from such a person who is as good as dead, God, let God bring forth something that the world will stand amazed about. That's our God. So don't give up on that dream that's in your heart. It's God-given. He'll do it. There were two things we mentioned before we closed. In Ezekiel, the 37th chapter, God is speaking to the prophet Ezekiel. And he takes him up by the Holy Spirit into a vision. And in that vision, Ezekiel sees a valley that's full of dry bones. And God asks Ezekiel the question, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Ezekiel says, God, you know it. And God says, okay, Ezekiel, I want you to do something. I want you to speak to these bones. I want you to prophesy. I want you to tell these bones to live. So Ezekiel begins to do as God told him. He says, bones, I command you to live, you know. And the bones begin to come together. The flesh is formed about it, over them. And there are bodies now. And then God says, Ezekiel, tell the wind to come into their bodies. He prophesies, wind comes in. And in the vision, he sees them all come alive like a big, mighty army. And then in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 12, God says, Ezekiel, here's what I'm telling you. This whole nation of Israel, now at that time in Israel's history, they had been taken captive by the Babylonians. The Babylonians had come and they had plundered Jerusalem and taken many of them as captives into Babylon. And, and so here was an, an entire nation, an entire community of people who were in a state of hopelessness. 
And the common language among this entire group of people was this. Ezekiel 37 verse 12. We, everything is hopeless and we are dead. That's how they were talking. Meaning, here was an entire nation of people who had given up. There was no hope. They would given up on all their dreams. Everything that they had in their land, they would given up now. No hope. We are hopeless. We are dead. And God tells them, Ezekiel, I will open up their graves and I will bring them out. And I will take them back to their land. Now, these people were not in their graves. They were all fine. Meaning they're all awake. They're all alive. So obviously God is not talking about some literal graves that he has going to pull them out. He's talking about their grave of hopelessness. Their grave in which all their hopes, all their dreams, every expectation lay dead and buried. God said, I'll open up the graves. I'll bring it out. I will take them back to their land. Amen. And I believe God can open up our graves. Things that we've given up as dead and gone. We are hopeless now. We have no hope of being restored. No hope of recovering what's been taken away. No hope of regaining what is lost. But God is saying, I will open up your graves. And I will bring, I will bring you out of your graves. And I will take you back to what you've lost. Take you back. Do you believe God can do that? He'll do it. So we said, write down, make a list of all your dry bones. Meaning, your dead dreams. <laughs> make a list. Now, if you want to do it a mental list, you want to do it in your Word document, you want to do it in your notepad, however you want to do it, it's up to you. Now, this morning, I was preaching at West before coming here, and there after service, one of the guys came and told me, he said, I, I bought a whiteboard, I put it on my, you know, a very open place, and I wrote down all my, you know, my dead dreams, wrote it down. It's a very public thing now. <laughs> and you want to do that? That's fine. How do you want to do it? The thing is this. Speak life over your dry bones. Call them out of their graves and say, this is the word of the Lord. Each one of these dreams will resurrect. God will open up the graves and he will cause them to come out. He will restore what I have lost. He will regain what's been taken away. God will do it. He's the God who can bring it out of the grave. So speak life over all, each one. I mean, some of you may have one, just one dream. Some of you may have five. Some of you may have ten. Doesn't matter. It's between you and God. What's in your heart? You speak life over those bones. You speak life. And let the Holy Spirit be at work in your life, in my life. As we make our journey by faith to seeing our dreams resurrected. The last thing we mentioned before we closed was about Jacob. And you read about Jacob in Genesis, the 32nd chapter. Jacob was a man who wanted spiritual blessing. He initially kind of stole that blessing from his twin brother, Esau. You know how Jacob, you know, the eldest brother gets the blessing. So Esau came out first. So the blessing was his. The blessing of birthright was really a spiritual blessing that comes from the father to the eldest born. But Jacob wanted that. So initially, he 
got to that in a wrong way. He cheated his brother and got to it. And so he had to run for his life. And he, you know, he had to, he went, spent 14 years working with his uncle Laban. Uh, God blessed him. Uh, he prospered so much. Now, you know, God said, okay, now go back to your own land. He was on his way back. And this is in Genesis 32. He was on his way back. But he gets news, Esau is coming to meet you. And he gets so scared. Because now Esau could totally ruin everything. He could, if Esau was still angry, he could kill, you know, Jacob, his, his, his children, his, all that he had. He could just totally do it, destroy it. And so Jacob was praying and saying, God, he was reminding God about the blessings, of the promises. God, you promised that you will bless me, that you will take care of me. He was reminding God of these promises. Anyway, it was that night before the day when he was going to go meet Esau. And the Bible says, Jacob sent all his people, everything away. And Jacob was left alone. Sometimes we need to be alone with God. I shouldn't say sometimes. I think we need all need to be alone with God. And when he was alone, the Bible says he wrestled with God. Now, you know, when we read that passage in Genesis 32 about Jacob wrestling with God, and, you know, many times we tend to think, okay, it was a, Physical battle, you know, this is the WWF, you know, in the Bible, the Old Testament, you know. Uh, that wrestling championship was taking place, man meets God, you know. <laughs> and and we, we kind of try to picture in our minds something happened. But really, you know, when you think about it, how strong can a man be to physically hold God down? You can't. So really it's not about Jacob's great physical strength. It's not about that. So you jump into the Old Testament book of Hosea, Hosea chapter 12, and we read verses uh, 12, uh, 6 onwards. It explains the prophet Hosea is speaking to the people of Israel, but he goes back to the story of Jacob and he explains something. In Hosea 12, and I think it's verse 6, he says about Jacob, he wept and sought favor. With God. So what did he do? When he wrestled? It wasn't his physical grip. But he wept. And sought favor. It was something spiritual. There's something inside him. That, that said you know. God I've got to have this blessing. It was his spiritual grip on God. That kept God there. Until God said okay. What do you want me to do for you? And Jacob said, I want you to bless me. What was he after? The blessing. How did he go after it? With spiritual tenacity. With spiritual intensity. He wept and sought favor of God. And God responded by saying, Today I'm going to change your name. Because you have become great in my stature. You've, 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 you've become a man of stature in my eyes. Today, I'm going to call you a prince with God. Because you've become great. You're a man of stature. You're a prince with God. Are you changing your name to Israel? I want to encourage all of us to become people of stature before God. In 2015. Amen. Become a prince 
Or we don't want to, I'm not, I'm, I'm a lady. Okay. Become a princess. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it. With God. How? By seeking after him with intensity. Like Jacob. He wept and sought Laban. Meaning, God, I will not let you go. You've got to bless me, God. It was that spiritual intensity which got the attention of God. And God said, you are my prince. You're my prince. We close with the verse from Obadiah chapter 1, verse 17, where Obadiah is speaking. He's talking about Mount Zion, where there will be deliverance. And then in the latter half of the second half of that verse, he says, And the house of Jacob will possess their possessions. The house of Jacob, the house, you know, not talking about a physical home. The word house means a group of people, a family, a community of people. It says the the people who are like Jacob will possess their possessions. Why didn't he say the house of Abraham or the house of Isaac? He could have said that. But he said the house of, meaning people who are like Jacob, who are intense in their pursuit of God. Going after God, saying, God, I must have your favor. I must have your blessing. I must see this blessing that you've spoken to me. I must see it come to pass. People who are like that, they will possess their possessions. Meaning what is rightfully theirs, they will have it. So many of us are being deprived of what is rightfully ours. And then we're wondering why, you know, we blame God. God is keeping it from me. No. He's not keeping it away from you. He's waiting for you and me to become like Jacob, to pursue it. Say, God, I must have it. I must go after it. Amen. So go after those dreams like Jacob did with intensity. So we, in the Bible, is a term here, wrestle with God. So if you like that wrestling, you can say, wrestle with God. You know. But understand, it's not a physical thing. It's about your spiritual intensity and then being tenacious in the spirit and saying, God, I must have this in my life. Go after God. Or those dreams that he's birthed in you, go after those things. Amen? There are things that I'm going after. I want to encourage you to go after those dreams God has put in your heart. Don't give up. It's a year of resurrected dreams. Amen. As uh, our worship team just leads us in a few moments of just seeking God, I want you just to go before God and in prayer just remind Him, saying, God, these are dreams I carried in my heart, but for whatever reason, I had to give it up. I had to let go. But this morning, with the little, even, even if you have just little faith to pray, that's good enough. God, this little faith I have, I am not sure if I have that great faith, but this little faith I have that you're a God who can open up my grave and cause these dreams to come alive. So here I am, God. I'm bringing these dreams to you. You may not be in a position of great faith yet, but start with the faith you have. The little courage you have, start with that. And say, God, these are dreams I carried and I've forgotten or let, let them go. But this morning, because I've heard these words, 
I've heard what you're saying and, and God, I, I, with a little faith, a little courage, whatever I have, I'm coming to you with these dreams. Would you breathe life, God? Would you resurrect these dreams as I journey with you through this year? I want to encourage you to just take a few moments to pray, please.
let's just pray together. Father, we just pray before you. We ask, oh God, that even in each of our lives individually, that you will open up the graves and cause these dead dreams to be resurrected, God, to come alive. And Father, this, this year as we walk with you, each one of us, we pray that you will orchestrate circumstances, situations, put things in place. Put people in place so the dreams that you've birthed inside of us will begin to come forth and begin to take shape, oh God. That we will begin to see the unfolding of that which you've put inside of us. Spirit of God, we just pray that you will move upon each of our lives. Causing the unusual, causing the unexpected, causing the impossible to come to pass. Father, we pray for us collectively as a body, as, as a community of believers, as a church. Cause us, O oh Lord, to rise into our destiny, to advance, to make progress into the fulfilling of the dreams you've birthed in us, oh God, as a church. To impact our city, to see thousands upon thousands reached for the kingdom of God. To impact our nation, villages, towns, and cities across our land. And to impact nations, oh God. I pray that you will equip each one of us to to begin to do things for the kingdom of God this year. To step out and begin to advance in your call and what you have assigned for our lives. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, before we close, let's just give people an opportunity to receive Christ. If there's anyone here this morning and you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, maybe you don't know what it means. The Lord Jesus wants to come into our lives, gain access of our lives. He wants to be the Lord of our lives. He wants to be our Savior, the one who saves us from our sins, who forgives us and saves us from our sins. He wants to be the Lord, the God we worship. And when we receive Him into our lives, the Bible says He makes us children of God. Children of God. It brings us into this relationship with God that nobody else can. So if there's anyone here, even one person here this morning, and you've never done this before in your life, you've never received Jesus, but you feel the prompting inside you to do that, you'd like to do that, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. I'd like you to pray that with me this morning. So could we just bow our heads, please, and give people an opportunity, anyone here this morning, 
If you've never received Christ into your life and you'd like to do that, could you pray this prayer with me, please? Lord Jesus, come into my life. Change me. Make me a new person. Forgive my sins. Be the God of my life. And help me to follow you the rest of my life. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday, a great week, and a great 2015. God bless. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.